You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, please do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. Just call in, leave a message. I'm not going to pick up and be like, who's this? What do you want? No, just just leave a message, and uh, we'll get to it. We'll talk about it. And you can talk about anything in the world that you want to talk about, except probably a couple issues that, even for after dark, are a little out of line. And shame on you for calling in with that trash. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We do not have any new callers, but our buddy Cheeseballin is chomping at the bit. He's got two more um, calls to get in here, so we'll see what's uh, bugging him. Hey, Cheeseballin, just continue the phone call. Um, but yeah, if you have a bias that's like um, either for Goot or you're just... Uh, you know, saying, well, I have a preference of not doing any of these kinds of deals. Well, then right. just feel say that. Like, you know, but the it's situation. not like that isn't that, that making these deals does no effect because why would any of these teams do it? And then what's funny is that go try to get OBJ. Like, and we- well, and again, this is where we kind of get into a weird situation. And, and I guess you're saying it's because he's cheap or whatever, but, um, well, well, I'll let you finish. You, you were saying in that phone call, you were saying, okay, let's use this OBJ thing if we did or didn't. Clearly, the assessment is none of this is really going to help us uh, win a Super Bowl. Win a Super Bowl. <laughs> well, who, based off of whose assessment? Because if it's good, good tried to get OBJ. So that. But it didn't happen, right? So th- th- there's, 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 there's several unknowns here. I think a lot of people would argue that Gutekunst failed in not being able to get him, right? I don't exactly know where OBJ was at. Maybe there, there was never a scenario where he was going to go to Green Bay because he wanted to go to L.A. If that's the case, fine. But again, we have Brian Gutekunst who assessed the situation and said, OBJ will help us to win a Super Bowl. And he did everything he could to get him, and OBJ decided he would he wanted to go to L.A. What did Gutekunst do wrong there? You're saying he's cheap, and he's not doing what he needs to do to get guys here, but that doesn't work in that scenario because he did everything he could possibly do, similar to the Devontae thing. He offered more money, and he said, no, it's not a money thing. I just want to go to play with the Raiders. OBJ, apparently, only ever wanted to go to L.A. Now... If it's the situation that he could have offered more to get him, then that answers your question. That's the situation where he assessed it as it's too much money or it's this or it's that or the other thing. But I don't think that's the situation. I think from what we've heard, the Packers offered a competitive offer, basically whatever the Rams are offering, maybe a little more, I don't know. But he always wanted to go to L.A. That was always his intention. So I don't necessarily see how that would help your case as opposed to mine which is he does a good job of evaluating he does a good job of finding situations in which um you know those those areas where he sees a need and tries to address it 
He saw a need. He tried to address it, and OBJ went somewhere else. There's nothing he could have done about that. So I don't really see... I mean, again, in terms of our different understandings of things, that doesn't hurt me at all in terms of my thinking, right? He did what he felt he needed to do. He made some kind of an assessment, or he didn't. I don't know. He either made an assessment that we want him, and OBJ said, no, I'm going to go somewhere else, or he made an assessment that, no, I don't want to pay that. I don't know, but that's the thing. There's, there's a lot of unknowns there, but I don't see why this would hurt my view of the situation. It would be contradictory to that. Why would he go after uh, OBJ if he didn't think it was going to help him win the Super Bowl? Well, he obviously did think it was going to help him win the Super Bowl. Again, I, that's the thing. I don't know what his assessment is. The point is, he has to be the one to make those assessments, and I don't see an issue in the assessments that he's making. And the funny thing is, the only time... So, so generally speaking... Everybody's mad because, like you, he doesn't do enough. He's cheap, right? He doesn't do enough. He doesn't go out. He doesn't do these things. And then the one instance where it's where we can actually find a player that did go and contribute and help people win is the one instance that Brian Gutekunst did actually try to go get the guy. You're not hurting my opinion of Brian Gutekunst by bringing all this up. If that's your assessment, you don't think it would have, well, then that's your assessment. You said, that's clearly the assessment. Well, based off of what? Based on, well, <laughs> again, he's not here. That's why. It's based off of good. That's clearly contradictory to him. And so it just seems clear that no matter what happens, uh, whatever the outcomes, Good's good, whatever the outcomes are. It's like you. Well, you're you're taking swings and missing, and that's the bottom line. You're trying to demonstrate to me that Gutekunst did something wrong, and I can't find out why. Again, the the funny thing is, you use this as a demon the the, the OBJ thing as an anti goot thing, and it's like, okay, well, that's one instance where yes, finally this worked, and they finally did something, and fine. But it's one time, and whatever, and. 30, some other teams didn't do it. And then you brought to my attention, he actually did try to get him. And it's like, well, <laughs> so, okay, great, perfect. Yeah, I mean, again, your goal in, in all of this, I mean, not necessarily, but I'm standing here saying, I don't see where Gutekunst is failing this team. You think he is, and I, I'm just not hearing you say anything that's making me think, you know what? Maybe you're in your like, yeah, everything he does, Goot's fine. Yeah, because you haven't said a single thing that has made me go, oh, dang, you're right. That's, that was pretty bad. You're sitting here explaining to me that one of the only times when a free agent acquisition has helped a team win a Super Bowl, Gutekunst was the other guy on the phone trying to get him to come here. So what, what, is, what am I supposed to take away from that? Oh, what a jerk. He's an idiot. He's cheap and stupid. What, 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 I don't understand how this is supposed to get me to move off of my spot. You're backwards from that. So you're the flip side of the people that you want to attack. Not everybody who has a critique against Goot is completely irre uh, being unreasonable. And even somebody who's being unreasonable can have a good argument sometimes. What is so the you argument? Have to be, you have to focus on the specifics. What is it? And I think, and, I, and, I, and I'm the one that levies all the criticisms to people in the 2021 season. I lay the fault at Rogers too, uh, the coaching staff, special teams, mm -hmm. but I also fault Goot. But you're not wanting to do that. So you're saying, I'm the biased one. I'm the one being way less biased than you are. I'm saying everybody deserves this. Well, bias would be, you, you can see bias when there is unfair critiques. Right? There are people who are unfair. See, and, and like, I, I would be considered anti-Rogers. That's not true. I have been very pro, if you've been listening for a long time, I have spent a lot of time on this podcast defending Rogers. The question isn't pro Rogers or anti Rogers, pro Goot or anti Goot. The question is what's and like I said, there are a lot of anti Goot things that I agree with, and they're all very pro Goot people because pro Goot people see negatives and positives. But I think there are a lot of people who want to attack a lot of things that I find to be nonsense, and those are the instances where I see bias. It's the same with Aaron Rodgers. I see a lot of issues with Aaron Rodgers, but I also see a lot of people who want to attack him for every little thing, and a lot of those things are not even rational. That's when I determine whether somebody is biased or whether they just don't like this attribute of Aaron Rodgers. Right? If everything is negative all the time, you know. and again, Gutekunst failed the team. I think that's stupid. 
Because again, we're nitpicking like 0.5% when 98% can be attributed to the team. Again, this is my focus on things. And when I see somebody constantly nitpicking this 0.5%, 0.5%, that to me is very indicative of either bias or just a really flawed view of how things are working. So yeah, you can you can critique all these other things, fine. But you're spending way too much time critiquing a very small issue, especially considering he's the guy that got us the 98%, but he also didn't get us to 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 100%, so he's to blame. Bull crap. 98 is plenty. Go win with 98. That's my whole issue. So it's not that he hasn't done anything wrong, it's just the constant incessant whining that, you know, you, you got us such a good team, but it's just, it could have been better. Who gives a crap? Every single team could be better. I just don't want to hear it. I'm tired of the excuses being made for the players. And you're saying you're attacking them, but you're not. I'm not sitting here arguing with you about that. There's, there's no reason to focus anywhere else. There's no reason to focus on anything else other than our superstar quarterback played like crap. That's the problem. Our offensive line played like crap. Our pass rushers, our elite pass rushers, whenever they were healthy, didn't do anything. That's the issue. Yeah, but Gutekunst could have got OBJ. No, he couldn't have. By your own admission, he tried. But OBJ said, nah, I want to go to L.A. So there's nothing he could have done. So now what's your freaking problem? Well, he, he could have got freaking who? 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 He doesn't need anybody else. He doesn't. I just, I'm, I'm just, it's just exhausting. So that's my issue. So yeah, why do I spend my time defending Goot? Because people spend their time too much attacking the guy for no reason. It's because I think they're wrong. And that's the same reason why half the time, people are telling me all the time, I get whiplash, listen to you, one minute you're attacking Rodgers, one minute you're defending Rodgers, pick a lane. It's not a lane. It's an issue-by-issue situation, right? And I know that's what you're saying as well, but it's it's I'm on this side constantly seeing nonsense, and I'm constantly addressing what I view to be nonsense. And from your perspective, it looks like constantly defending him. But yeah, it's because I'm constantly attacking people who are doing stupid stuff. But the point is, it, it gets to the point of absurdity because where is the majority of the issue in these failures? Where is it? Point me to the player that he should have acquired. That would have made all the difference. And again, even if you want to talk about the wide receivers, that is such a small proportion of the issue compared to the massive football team we already had in place. What I mean, just the magnitude of Devontae Adams minimized, just, just dwarfs any contribution a rookie would have brought to this team. And he didn't show up. MVS did, so we already had a number two and it wasn't good enough. But yeah, we could have had a number three, I guess. And that maybe would have made some kind of a difference. Good lord, if your quarterback and your wide receiver and all your superstars are either injured or don't show up, I don't want to hear it. And again, it's, it's nonsensical because you want me to, what, dislike Goot because he picked a player that might end up being a franchise-saving player instead of a guy i mean even if it was just a complete miss misses happen all the time so what so what i'm not going to say we need a new gm because he misses sometimes because you know what the next guy's gonna miss too so you there, there has to be something in which you can say look at how good everybody else is except Goot. And again, you keep bringing up the, the, the money thing or what every other team is doing. Show me what other, every other team is doing that the Packers aren't and how they're benefiting and we aren't. If you can do that, then I can look at it and assess it. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to demonstrate that 31 or 25 or however many teams are, are going out and doing these things and getting wild success while the Packers are not doing that. I know that because there are not 25 more successful teams than the Packers. The Packers have been one of the most successful teams because of the talent that's on their roster, and they're failing to get Super Bowls because the team is failing to produce when it matters most, and I have demonstrated this over and over and over again, and it's just obnoxious to nitpick these all these little things. Well, technically... He tried to get in, and like we're we're getting to such a granular level that he had just stepped back and go, "What are we doing? 
What are we what are we nitpicking here? This is silliness. Fault in their own special way. But so you're the one that's showing bias, not okay. me. And then uh, showing uh, clear you know, things that just didn't ever line up. You said then later after you're saying, well, it, it, the assessment says that um, uh, none of this would have helped us win the Super Bowl. But then he said like two minutes later, well, the assessment is that he's trying to do everything he can. He's making phone calls. And there just wasn't a deal that uh, was the, the right thing to help win football games. Well, <laughs> That's his assessment. His assessment. Based on duh. Because it didn't happen. Right? Now, whether his assessment is right or wrong, I don't know. But you're welcome to go out and find the situation where we woulda, coulda, shoulda got this person. And again, the only person that I can think of is Odell Beckham. And according to your own words, we tried to get him. So who who is the other guy now? Let's nitpick another player. Well, what about this wide receiver that he could have picked up in a trade and something and then maybe we could have gotten over the hump, although I have no way of proving that and this is a waste of time conversation because nobody knows what would have happened, but we can pretend that it would have happened and we can pretend that it maybe probably could have made us better and that maybe would have been enough to get us over the hump because it was a pretty close game and then maybe we would have gone on to win the next game and get into the Super Bowl and then maybe we would have gone on to win the Super Bowl. It's such a worthless conversation. It's, it's opportunity cost. You can give up something, get, give up something now to win more toward now, and then hurt your chances a little bit more. So it's not like it's hurting your this football chances; it's just hurting when. It's not specific. And so I, I Ooh. see all these other teams making these deals. I Ooh. don't think Good has any excuse not to. Doesn't mean he has to sell the farm. There's plenty of gaps between uh, what the San Francisco 49ers did to getting McCaffrey and getting some guy like Kadarius Tony. Those are huge gaps. Okay, but again, see, again, okay, Kadarius Tony is trash, just straight up, but whatever. But even if you want to do, see, this is, this is the problem. I'm going to critique every single, every example you give. So you want Kadarius Tony. The dude is not good, but okay. Um, and then Christian McCaffrey, phenomenal football player. But that would obviously be stupid for a lot of reasons. And I'm not saying you said that we should get him, but I'm, I'm just saying when you bring it up, I'm going to talk about it. We already have two guys. He would have a very small share. The cost would be astronomical. And again, the biggest thing, how did that help the 49ers? Well, it helped him astronomically. No, 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 no. We have to assess it the same way that you assess the Packers. And that is you failed to win, right? It didn't get you over the hump. Massive investment in a running back, which is not a premium position. He was a phenomenal football player, and it did not help their team do jack squat in terms of actually winning anything. So, I mean, and, and again, you can come up, you can come to any assessment that you want, right? This is essentially your assessment versus Gutekunst's assessment, and I'm supposed to sit back and say, who do I think makes more sense? And you bring Kadarius Tony up. I mean, yeah, the the future rap star guy. I I, I just I, I don't. Again, this this is to me a ridiculous conversation when we're when we're sitting here talking about Kadarius Tony. To do what? He's not good at football. What do you want me to do with Kadarius Tony? Like, I just don't get this. I don't get this conversation. We should have gotten Kadarius. No, dude. I I just. I, listen, maybe you're right, but I am certainly not going to sit here and go, you know what? You're right. I don't like Brian Gutekunst because he didn't get Kadarius Tony. No. Maybe, maybe I'm just biased. I don't know. I, I don't think so. Again, it was the same thing with Ted Thompson. I really like Ted Thompson until, until I started coming around to the fact that maybe he's not doing great. And to be fair, I'm very slow to those kinds of things. I generally support guys longer than I should, which I'm fine with. Supporting guys until you get to the point when it's you, you, you kind of you can't refute anymore that something is clearly wrong. And I was too slow with Dom Capers. I was too slow with Mike McCarthy. I was too slow with Ted Thompson. But I came around to it. All I can tell you is that you're not helping anything in terms of getting me to say, you know what, maybe he's wrong. When you bring up Kadarius Tony, 
And if, okay, well, I'm not saying, well, then say something. If you're not saying McCaffrey and you're not saying Tony, but those are the two guys you brought up, say something. But I'm going to do this every single time you bring something up. Look at the player and then look at how much it helped the team. And your only recourse then is to pick the Super Bowl winner. So the only thing you can do is pick the Chiefs and look at, oh, Juju Smith-Schuster, which again, I'm going to point out, we had better wide receivers than they had. They lost they lost their key player, and that didn't, they, you know, again, they didn't make excuses for the losses. The reason they won isn't because of freaking garbage wide receivers that they acquired. It's because their superstars showed up in big moments. It's because their quarterback played like a really good quarterback throughout the playoffs and in the Super Bowl to help them win a Super Bowl. That's the reason they won. And if you genuinely believe that it's not the superstars and the phenomenal coaching staff and all that that actually helps a team win a Super Bowl, but instead it's these ridiculously low-level acquisitions that they make to try to help sort of patch up holes which, again, is what Gutekunst does that I think annoys you, that he just does minor things to patch holes rather than bigger things to kind of get us over the hump. So they patch some holes with some low-level wide receivers. I, again, it's just a massive difference in philosophy. I'm not saying that's what you're saying. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm just trying to understand here. If that's what you're saying, I think that's silly. If that's not what you're saying and you're in agreement that it's the superstars, then I don't know what we're talking about here. Because it sounds like we agree. It's not patching holes that helps you win a Super Bowl. It's the freaking superstars that are making tens of millions of dollars that are the ones that get you to the Super Bowl and through the Super Bowl. So, I, I, I don't know. Again, I just I would love to hear some more specifics. Hey, last one, I swear. She's gone. All good. Um, so, I think that's completely fair. And it, I'm not even saying in 2021 he was the sole reason why. I'm just saying... Here, here, here's what I have. We should hold everybody in, in high regard. Um, you know, Rogers, hey, you get paid the big bucks. Right. You know, you miss that. You know, throw to Lazard at the end of the game. At the end of the day, you should, you need to get those drives done. Coaching staff deserve criticism. Right. Good responsibility is before that game ever happened. Did you do everything you could to get you know the team? And again, I'm, 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 I'm willing to be open to all of this. And and listen, he is a fallible human being. So it would be weird if there wasn't some kind of an opportunity, but I have not heard anything, right? I just haven't heard anything yet. Who is the person? And again, all you can really do is bring up a name, and then we just have to guess whether that would have helped or not. And, and we're not going to be able to come to any kind of conclusion because it didn't happen and we don't know. But, I mean, if you just want me to concede that he's a fallible human being, I can do that. That he deserves some level of blame because, well, of course, I mean, it, the, we can go through the draft and look at players that he could have acquired. But the question for me is, did you do your job? And Gutekun's job is to provide a high, you know, he again, he makes assessments. Whether he fails or succeeds, I don't know. But I see much more success than failure in the draft comparatively to other teams. I see a significant amount of success in free agency compared to other teams. I think he is doing an above-average job. In other words, if, if I had to grade him on his job, I think he did a great job. Right? And so, in terms of give us a team that can win through the playoffs, he did his job. Were there little things he could have done better? Of course. But the problem is, again, when we get to that point, we're asking him to be better than what is a fair Assessment. In other words, doing a great job and building a team that can win a Super Bowl is not good enough. You need to do these tiny little things to maybe like be even slightly better. Like what what does that even mean? You know, it's like he he's a he's a solid seven point five out of ten GM. Yeah, but he if, if he was a seven point six, we'd win. Like what what are we talking about? So again, it's it just comes down to we're we're kind of talking about two different things. Could could people have done better at different points? Every single human being could have done slightly better at different situations. But then when we come to how much responsibility do people bear for the losses in the playoffs, how many people did as much as they could do to win, again, I'm looking at Gutekunst and I'm looking at the full roster and I'm satisfied with it. And I don't think any little nitpicky name that you can add to it would really change that in other words you know he missed on this who who did he miss on again i'm still looking for like a name and i'm sure there's names out there but it in my opinion p 
pales in comparison to the basic reality that we had a good enough team, which is his job. Did the coaching staff do a good enough job? I don't know. I really don't know. But the fact that the team wasn't ready, although I know this is a team-led thing and the, the locker room is responsible for all that, and I agree with that, I still think the coaching staff bears some responsibility. The GM does not. So what is the core issue? The core issue is that the really good players didn't show up in key points. That has nothing to do with the GM whatsoever. That is my assessment of the situation. Right? Again, going back to my analogy of, you know, I hired 10 people to clean my kitchen for five hours and it didn't get done. I'm freaking furious because I paid a lot of money for a lot of guys to do a good job and you couldn't get the job done. And then you come back with, well, you could have hired like 20, you know, one more guy and then maybe it would have got done. What are you even talking about? That's not the issue. I did my job. I hired more than enough people to get this job done and it didn't get done. I remember when I was doing landscaping, that was a thing a lot of times. The boss would drop us off, give us a job, and then he'd peel off and go do what he needed to do, and then he'd come back and he'd be kind of ticked off because this should be much further along than it is, and he would assume or whatever. But the question always came down to, are guys slacking off, or do we just not have enough guys for this job? My contention is we have way more than enough people that produced at half the rate of what the talent was. And so... Again, I understand that we're, you know, there's a lot of people that want to talk about like additions that could have been made and all this kind of stuff, but the two major points for me are, one, that is not the core issue of why we lost, and two, we're now asking him to be better at GM than everybody else, and, and, and claiming that really what we're asking is for him to be on the same level as everybody else, and that's not true. Based on the resume, based on pretty much every metric that you can look at, he is a good GM as he is. And again, the, the, the ultimate test of this would be, if we replaced Brian Gutekunst, would we be better or worse off? Because again, not all this happens in a, in a vacuum in which there's a possibility of everything being perfect. That's not true. We need to look at the average and say, if we get a, go get the average GM out there, is he going to be a better drafter or worse drafter? Is he going to be better in free agency or worse in free agency? He might do like that one little thing that you want, whatever that may be. I still haven't gotten specifics. But again, we're not talking philosophy. We're not talking overall talent. We're not talking about any of that. So again, you can call it bias if you want, but I, 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 have, I feel like illuminated my position on this, and I don't think anybody that doesn't like Goot has done anything to slightly move me off of that because all of the, the critiques to me seem nitpicky in a way to defend players that failed when they don't deserve any defending. We had more than enough pieces. More than enough. And there was really nobody that I saw that I'm... Maybe there were. I don't know. I still haven't heard the names of the players that were just sitting out there waiting to help you win a Super Bowl. I don't know who they are. Uh, is, is best... The, all the best pieces available to help push you over the edge. And... Who is he that? Does, that's why he does things. I'm not even saying he's the worst. He's, he's all right. Uh, it's just that in season, he just is a little too cheap. He doesn't want to give up draft picks. You don't have to sell the farm. So, again, if all these other teams can do all these other small little deals. Who's doing what? That aren't super risky. He doesn't have any excuse. Who's doing what? To what degree? Like, we're making it seem as though most teams do it. What do most teams do? And how much does it help the team? Right, Because right now we're just kind of throwing out generalities. Everybody else is doing it, except Gutekunst. And if he was doing it, then maybe we would, you know, he's just too cheap or whatever. I, is he cheap? Do we have more money left over than everybody else? Is it not money? Is it draft picks? Again, you're not going to win me over with giving away draft picks. I am a Ron Wolfite, a Ted Thompsonite. A, you know what I mean, a, again, this is where he comes from. And I generally agree with it. Because it just makes to me common sense in terms of you don't give away a player with the potential of playing for 10 years so that you can add some low-level nobody to a team that shouldn't need any help for one year. I don't understand that as being a rational thing. But again, provide something, some level of context of which player are we talking about. I don't know what we're talking about. Okay, so he didn't put the uh, best foot forward in getting uh, these players because yeah. you can come with a wave of players based off of all these other teams getting these these Kadarius Tony so he can it's, it's, it's within reach he can do it he's just a little cheap okay so you know that's 
that's, I think, very criticize-worthy. And I'm the one that levied a whole bunch of positives toward uh, Goot, and you're the only one that came back with one small critique. Again, one critique. Right, because, because you asked me to, you know, you said, I never say anything negative about Goot. And I said, okay, well, you could just ask me, and I will tell you a negative about Goot. And then you said, okay, what is something negative? So then I told you. And you said, well, that's just one thing. I said, well, how many things should I list for you in order to make you satisfied? And your response was, well, just keep listing like every or something to that effect. And it's like, come on, dude, you're being ridiculous. And I sarcastically said, you go ahead and start and list everything good about Brian Gutekunst. And you actually did it and said you were the bigger man. I was not actually, I didn't even read it. I don't care what your list is. I was being sarcastic because it's a ridiculous thing to tell a grown man that he has to acquiesce to your request and uh, until you are satisfied with my level of critiquing to prove to you that I'm not but I'm not doing that I don't have to prove anything I don't care whether or not you 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 believe me when I tell you that it's not biased I think it's an insane request to tell me that I have to continue listing things until you're fully satisfied um no, I mean, th this is my position. If you choose not to believe me, that's fine. If you choose to believe that I'm biased, that's fine. I've spent plenty of time critiquing about I, I, my, my disdain for this all-in approach. Honestly, everything I dislike about Goot is probably the only things you actually like about Goot. This sort of all-in strategies, despite the fact that you refuse to recognize the all-in strategies, the fact that we're destroying our salary cap by pushing all this money out so that we have extra money, so that we can spend extra money to bring extra players onto this team. We have a ton of players, but again, you want to nitpick, yeah, that's great, but why doesn't he do that in, like, October or something stupid? Like, who gives a crap? It's, it's, it's like we, we, we pushed all this money out so that we can spend a ton of money on a bunch of players. And then we have a tiny little nest egg to patch holes in case of injury. And you're like, you should be spending all that. Again, and, and, and we're talking about minor things at this point compared to all the other players that have been brought in and all the other draft picks and all the other already studs on this team. Yeah, but that doesn't count. What, what, talk to me about September, October, you know, whenever prior to the trade deadline. It just feels like we're constantly moving the bar away and away. Well, what about this little one little nitpicky thing? I don't care. I don't care. But again, if you really want to do it, go out and show how much money the Packers have compared to everybody else, all these other amazing trades that all these other teams are making, and show me how much it's helping their team and their pursuit of, of a Super Bowl. And if, if you would like to lay that out for me, please feel free to lay that out for me. But I just, I don't feel like... We're, we're covering a lot of ground here. Again, we're just getting so granular with this to the point where, again, it, it's just causing me to feel more confident in my position that we have to get to such a ridiculous point to try to nitpick these tiny little things to prove that Gutekunst isn't doing enough. It just makes me feel more secure in my position that we have to go to this extent to try to prove one tiny little thing, and I'm still not even getting specifics, aside from Kadarius Tony. Yikes. There's a reason he's not even on his own team anymore. I'm just saying. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. 
And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Against, uh, uh, against uh, Goot. So if anybody's showing who's unbiased and here's clearly me, all the evidence yeah. is pointing one way. Yeah, you're doing they right. contradict certain things. And not only that, you, you compared uh, signing an injury guy right. Right, toward getting a tread, trade deadline guy to just fill a hole. Right. That, that they're not even comparable. Well, first of all, they are. You, you said he doesn't fill holes. And I said, what about this? And you said, well, that's, that's an injury replacement. Right, that's a hole that he's filling. You are the one that used the terminology. But that, that, again, you don't like that philosophy of the entire point of that phase of football, which is what teams do, by the way, is patch holes. That's what that is for. That's why you have this tiny little bit of money throughout the season to patch holes as they arise. And you don't like that, and that's fine. But it was important because if we had listened to you and spent all the money, then when we had an injury at edge rusher, we wouldn't have been able to do anything and we wouldn't have been able to go out and patch that hole because we wouldn't have any money left over. But if we have money left over, then he's being cheap. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to make you happy, I guess. Not because we would have signed uh, Marcellus, uh, whatever his name is, yeah. regardless if we were Super Bowl contending teams, because we needed a guy there because of injuries. Right. It had nothing to do with the Super Bowl aspiration. At we all. needed him because we were no longer contending without him, and Gutekunst did his job, and not only went out and got a deal done, but found a guy that actually works, which is another very important component, because the vast majority of the time when you actually go out and acquire these guys who can't find jobs, they don't do a good job. Gutekunst's ability to go out and find guys that actually come in, show up, and do a good job is remarkable. And we actually had a hole, which we did not have prior to the injury, and he filled that hole, and by hole, I mean, like, we are going to struggle to compete at this point if I don't patch this. I'm not talking about we could marginally be better, because if you want to patch all those holes, we will run out of money before the season even starts. And again, then you won't be able to patch actual holes when they arise, because you don't know what those are going to be. That's the point. That's why you need a nest egg. That's why you need to not just throw all your money away, and you certainly shouldn't be throwing all your picks away. So I'm sorry that that example didn't satisfy you. But the reality is, in my opinion, that's what this period, that's what my understanding of this period has always been. And it makes perfect sense to me. So, I mean, if you want to do something else, that's fine. But I, I just very much disagree with your philosophy of, on how to win a football team. I think it's, I don't know uh, what, what you would call it, but it's, it's, it's not focused on fundamental principles. It's just wildly swinging at things like we're playing Madden. You know, and it just sounds not like a good idea to me. Everything to do with, hey, we have an injury, we need somebody here, let's yep. find a guy off the street or whatever. Yeah. So it just shows you, you that, that's how desperate you are to protect you. It's clear this is a bias. Like, I'm fine criticizing everybody. You're only fine, fine criticizing certain people, okay. so, you know, in that 2021 season. So clearly... <laughs> the, you mean the, the 2021 season? I went from 2019... Then I did 2020, then I did 2021, and then I did 2022. What do you mean 20? What are you talking about only in 2021? I don't even know what that means. But it's just anything one way. And then when you were saying I was being uh, taking anti-Packers uh, information, you didn't even show proof of that. I was just showing Chris Sims and then an article that was just saying, hey, what's the random value for, for Rogers? No, let's, let's be very specific in what I had said. What I said is that you are coming forward saying that essentially everybody knows that this is what it is except this tight little Packers community and that you are the one going outside of the bubble. And what I was saying is that's not true. There is a wide range of people's opinions outside of Packers Twitter in terms of who is being responsible, who is being irresponsible, who's asking for what and all this stuff. And what I'm saying is if you're saying there's only one opinion, it's because you're only getting it from some sources, which would be the anti-Packers sources. That's inherent in what you're saying by saying that there's only one side and the side is the anti-Packers side, because it's just not true. So that's where that comes from. And, then, oh, and so anything critical is anti-Packers now? Like, you, you got to show me... No, anti-Packers is anti-Packers. 
<laughs> that's that's what that is. But it, it again, it comes down to how you present it. If you're saying, because listen, you got to understand, you started this whole thing when you first started in criticizing Packers people as being in this insular little bubble, and that you are the superior intellect and the much better person for rising above that and seeing that outside of this bubble, everybody else sees the reality, and you're bringing that reality back to us, us you know, again, little bubble people that are obsessed and unable to see truth and reality. And what I'm saying is that's not true because I can also go outside as I do. And I've seen the Jets people and I've played the clips on this very podcast. There is a wide array of opinion. Clearly, there's a bubble here and there's a bubble there. But the only way that you could say that there is only one side is if you went into that bubble and heard what they were saying, and then brought it in back to this bubble. That's the only way, because if you actually took in all the information, you would see that it's actually a wide range of different people with different opinions, even outside of the Packers bubble. So from that perspective, that clearly comes across to me as biased. To come back and say, everybody knows except you people, which is exactly what you said when you started this whole thing. It was this condescending little diatribe about how you were so much smarter than everybody and knew the truth, which everybody else knew the truth, except you people, which obviously is absurd. Seven seconds. This dude is, you know, uh, completely biased. He has glowing words for Matt LaFleur. He's got some, yeah, he's got I, I don't know what Chris Sims said. I, I don't care what Chris Sims said. Chris Sims is a guy with a opinion. And yeah, I'm sure he said some smart stuff. He said some idiotic stuff. But we got to take it on a case-by-case basis. I don't know what he said, but the fact that you're sucking on Chris Sims' toes, like, that's supposed to mean something to me. Like, dude, it's Chris Sims. It's Chris Sims. You keep talking about Chris Sims. What does Chris Sims have to do with any of this? He's one guy. There's 700,000 people with opinions on this issue. You are one of them. I am one of them. Chris Sims is one of them. All there, there's, We could go down a massive amount of lists. I don't know why you keep bringing up Chris Sims. Is he the ultimate arbiter of truth? I don't understand what, what, why you keep bringing that up. Is that the guy that I have to acquiesce to because he is just the ultimate arbiter of reality or what? I don't understand why this keeps coming up. See, and, and this is the problem. This is where I, I feel this impulse to constantly chase this stuff. Now what my desire is, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go out and prove. I'm going to find all these different non-Packer sources who say different things. And, but then you know what's going to happen? You're just going to move off that spot and go on to something else. So it's a waste of my time to do all this chasing. So again, and I know that you brought all these things at one point, and so now I have a response, and I'm sure you'll have new responses. Please, what I'm, what I'm asking you to do is to be specific. The reason I support Gutekunst is because I support the way that the Packers do business. And then it's just a question of, do you do it and do a good job at the same time? I support Ted Thompson and Ron Wolf and the way that they go about doing business with their draft develop philosophy, with the way that they go through free agency and the way that they go through, you know, the the regular season acquisitions, which largely is patching holes like major ones that are our injuries and whatnot, which isn't to say, again, there's a constant influx of players trying to find these guys. They're very low cost. They're very low level, but they do end up occasionally adding some serious value. So that is a part of the philosophy. But then there's still a question of, do you do a good job while you're doing it? Which isn't gauged to me by, could you have done one or two more things? That's absurd. Every GM on planet Earth would fail that test. It's not a matter of, do you hit in every draft pick? Or do you do everything right in free agency? It's a question of looking at all 32 teams and comparing, are you doing a good enough job drafting based on a actual standard that is fair? And my answer is yes. Now we have to see what happens. Uh, Jordan Love is a major piece, and there's you know two, three years of draft classes that we still have to see what they're going to become. And if they all turn negative and Jordan Love doesn't pan out, then he's garbage at drafting. Despite the really good picks like Jair and Rashawn, it's not going to be good enough. If some of these guys, you know, Stokes and whatnot, become good football players, and of course Jordan Love is, again, the major piece here, then the drafting is aces, despite the misses. Free agency, I am shocked at how good he is. Ted Thompson, I love Ted Thompson. He was terrible at it. He was the ultimate, I'm going to do the bare minimum to bring guys in. And if you had said that about Ted Thompson, I'd probably agree with you. Because he, the problem with Ted Thompson is he would spend a little bit of money, but it was still kind of a lot of money for guys that provided no value. Like, I would just rather not have this guy on the team, period. And you spent, like, you know, $4 million on this guy. He sucks. Now, again, this was toward the end of his career. We're not talking about the Charles Woodsons and the Julius Peppers and stuff. This is when everything started to seem to want to go south. 
the heck was that guy's name? He brought in like a couple guys from San Francisco at one point. I cannot remember their names. But anyways, look, the, the larger point is you think I'm sucking on his toes or whatever. I don't know why that's my thing today, but I said you were doing it, so I guess I'll say I'm doing it. Um, I'm, I'm really just trying to get you to understand my understanding of how things should work. And I mean, this is the way that it's been in Green Bay for a long time. So I don't know why you would be shocked to find out that I'm okay with it. It's, again, it's just a question of, is he doing a good job as he follows these philosophies? And the answer in, in that sense is yes. Ahmad Brooks is one of those guys. Who is the other guy? Oh, Quentin Dial. There we go. Ahmad Brooks and Quentin Dial he brought in. Like, we needed help on pass rush. We needed help on the defensive line or whatever. He brought in Ahmad Brooks and Quentin Dial. And it's like, why even freaking bother? He brought in uh, Jari Evans, I remember. Who was, he was not bad, I guess. I don't know. But that was in, in addition to drafting Jason Spriggs and all this stuff. But again, it, it was I supported Ted Thompson when he was following this philosophy and succeeding in doing so, which meant he was bringing in players when he brought them in that were good players, as he did early in his career. And he was drafting well, which he was doing early in his career. And then when those things stopped, it wasn't the philosophy that I didn't like. It was the fact that he wasn't succeeding in doing those things. Brian Gutekunst is following the philosophy of Ted Thompson. I agree with that. He's succeeding in doing so, which makes me happy. That's the bottom line. Cannot believe this has been 45 minutes. I apologize. I feel, see, this is the good thing about cheeseball and calling in. I get so like fired up and excited about the conversation that 45 minutes goes by. I really feel like we've been talking for 10 minutes. So... I do appreciate the cheese ball and calls. Thank you. But again, I, 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 I just I don't want this to become this thing where we just go back and forth over the same stuff. So it would be nice moving forward to try to find some kind of a constructive way of understanding where each other are coming from. Because I'm not being a biased idiot. I don't think you're being a biased idiot. I just think I don't have any... I, you should have an understanding of what I believe because I'm, I'm a Ted Thompsonite. That's where I am. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's where I come from. I don't know where you come from. I know the little things that annoy you, but I don't understand the overall philosophy. So maybe go and find a team that does what you like so that I can at least understand. I'm not going to agree with it, I'm sure, and I will be happy to go out and look at all the massive failures, and I will gleefully throw that in your face. But at least then I will understand where it is that you're coming from. Uh, I'll just throw a break in there somewhere prior to, because we're already pretty late. Let's get over to Trucker Bob here. Trucker Bob, what's going on, man? Trucker Bob. There he is. Trucker Bob. What's going on? We are in Alabama heading to California. Nice. Plan on seeing the grandkids there. Nice. uh, Next week for three days. I thought I'd answer cheese balling and what is leverage. He needed to find it so Cheeseballing can understand what leverage is and who has it. Be good for all I'm of us. Call this principle of business 101. See, let me just—I don't know what what he's going to say, but th- this is—I think Cheeseballing and I are both kind of doing things the wrong way in terms of just kind of like bickering. But what I again, what I think we need to do is do a better job of defining our terms. So this is a good place to start in, like defining leverage defining all these different things so that we can at least because again there are fundamental systems and you can work within a system and there are like offensive systems west coast and this and that they can work as long as you adhere to the system and then get the right pieces but we got to at least define what our systems are what our what our full thinking is on each of these things point number one whoever has the asset has the leverage whether I have an autographed baseball card, a work of art, a business for sale, a piece of property to sell, or a right to a person's contract, they are all the ones with the leverage. In other words, whoever owns the asset has the leverage. Why? Because if you don't give them what they want, you don't get the asset. Asset, period. Yes, it's that simple. Whoever has the asset has the control because they're the ones that can say, no, deal. Number two, Green Bay always has the leverage. Why? Because they own Rogers' three-year contract, and there is no no no-trade clause in the contract. What that means is, 
Green Bay can trade Rodgers to any team they want. I'll go over the consequences later. If the Jets, so that's business 101. If the Jets want the contract and services of Rodgers, they pay the price or it's no deal. That is leverage. Point number three. Let me play this out before and up to the draft. Green Bay has a $40 million cap hit on Rodgers. If you want his contract, you give us an offer where it is worth it for Green Bay to take that kind of hit. If you don't offer us that, no deal. That's leverage. And we have leverage on the Jets because we can always say, no, you give us this or you don't get Rogers' contract. And then we can always entertain other offers from other teams. See, I, I, I think that is somewhat of an important point because obviously, like you said, there are, there are consequences and whatnot, but the the point that a lot of people try to make on the other side is the Packers have to do this. So that's why it's not necessarily true because the Packers have to do this. No, they don't. They don't have to do anything technically. They can survive as a franchise without doing it. Now, there are certainly consequences to that, but it's not true that they have to do it. And the other thing that is ignored is they don't have to do it with the Jets. There is the retirement option. There are other team options. There are a lot of other options. So the the notion that both teams have to do this, the Packers have to give uh, the Jets Rodgers and, and the Jets have to get Rodgers from the Packers, that's not true. So essentially, like you said, it's, it's sort of like a store. We have a store, you walk in, you see an item you like for $50, you don't want to spend $50, who has the leverage? Obviously, it's the store. That's the price, you pay it or you don't get it. Now we can negotiate and we can talk about, yeah, but the store is in debt and all this. You know, we, we, we can kind of try to go from there, but on a basic level, that's where we're at right now. I own the item. This is the price. You're not going to pay it, then you don't get it. The question is, can the Jets get them to move off that spot or not? But the reality is, Brian Gutekunst has every ability to say, this is the price and I am not budging, period. We can trade Rodgers to any team we want because... A, there is no no-trade clause. Rodgers can't stop us from tra- trading his contract to anybody else. B, Rodgers has to play for any team we trade him to if he wants to get his $60 million bonus. If he honors... He got cut off by the three-minute three, uh, three minute mark, but that's actually a really interesting point because a lot of people are like, no, 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 because he can torpedo that trade. But... The same people that are saying he's not, there's no way in the world that he's going to retire and not take that contract. I don't necessarily agree with that, but the people that have said that would actually see this as a fantastic point. They would have to. So it, it's, it is kind of funny because there's a couple different points of, of, um, of argument here. Number one is, well, you, you can't just trade him wherever you want because he can torpedo that. Okay, but that doesn't work in conjunction with the idea that um, he would he would never retire. You can't hold both of those things because if there's no way he would retire and not take his money, then we can trade him to whoever we want and expect him to play because he will take that money. Right? So the Packers at least have one of those leverage points. He's either willing to retire and potentially could retire, and, and that's an option, or there's no way he would retire and lose that money, perfect, then we will trade him to any team that wants him, and we can be assured that Rodgers will play, because he's not going to pass up on the money. That is an interesting point I hadn't really considered. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Uh, this is uh, Trucker Bob. Hey, Trucker again, Bob. Again, going over these points, Rodgers has to honor his contract if he wants his $60 million bonus or he retires if he doesn't want to go to the team Green Bay's traded to him. That, that's the other thing, too, is you could just do a conditional trade. You know, I mean, you know, Panthers or what? It wouldn't be the Panthers because they traded up. I, I can't think of whatever. The, what other team? The Colts or whatever. You could do a con- an entirely conditional trade. In other words, I will give you a first-round pick and a second-round pick. Done deal, and we trade them. And Roger's like, I don't want to go there. Okay, fine. You can retire, and those... Picks come back to us. In other words, or, or we, we send the picks back to the Colts because he didn't honor his contract. 
and this would have to be probably 2024 picks entirely. But, um, you know, let's say after the draft, this falls through. We trade him to the Colts for a 2024 first and second round pick or something or more than that. I don't know. It doesn't matter. And and if he plays, then um, then we get the picks. If he doesn't, then we don't. But he, he would have to retire. He doesn't really have any other recourse. Now, you could say, well, they you know, that would be terrible to do to Rodgers or whatever. Well, whatever. But it is an option. Either way, Green Bay is not paying that $60 million bonus. If he retires in 2024, we have an... If Rodgers does retire in 2024, we have an honor Aaron Rodgers Day, thanking him for his service to the Green Bay Packers and retire his number. Point number four, after the draft... Like Goody says, the price goes up. Why? Other teams enter the fray. Let me give you just a couple of examples. Baltimore Ravens. They signed Odell Beckham. And Rogers' contract is cheaper, and he's better than Lamar Jackson. They trade Lamar for draft picks and add them and trade them for Rogers. The Jets are screwed. That's called leverage. How about the San Francisco 49ers? In 2024, they will have 11 draft picks because they're going to have four comps added to the seven they have. They could talk Rodgers into a three-year contract for his old hometown team, and Green Bay can get two to four quality picks. The Jets are screwed. That's called leverage. C. Other teams, let's say Pittsburgh. Remember when Rodgers and Mike Hamill Mike Tomlin, Coach Tomlin, had their little love affair, and they talked about how great each one was. Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh could probably offer something for Rodgers that Green Bay would find acceptable. Other teams, Patriots, Washington, Indy, Miami, either way, the Jets are screwed. That's called leverage. Point number five, Green Bay already has a plan on Rogers' Come contract on. when they signed him a year ago about the $60 million bonus. At- trying to pause that, but my computer was freezing while I was looking at teams. Too many uh, too many uh, tabs open. But I, I was just looking at this. So Carolina and Houston are going to take quarterbacks, right? What if that's basically it in terms of, like, we got a guy that we trust? Are we sure Arizona's good? What about Indy? Seattle, maybe? What about Vegas? What about Atlanta? What about Tennessee? New England? Washington? Pittsburgh? Tampa Bay? Miami, who forfeited their pick, if, if there are bigger Tua issues? Baltimore, if the Lamar thing falls through? What about the Giants? Send them back to Dallas with McCarthy. I know they got a guy, but there seems to be some issues there. Remember when the owner openly basically trashed the guy? Blamed him for them losing in the playoffs? Like I said, San Francisco. I'm sure the Packers wouldn't super love that, but hey, you got to do what you got to do. How about New Orleans, who lost their pick to um, San Francisco? Or actually, I'm sorry, San Francisco lost it to the Saints. But okay, so you got the Saints and San Francisco there that could use a quarterback. I mean, it's more than half the league I just listed off. You know, again, well, Aaron Rodgers says he wanted to be a Jet. No, he said his intention is to be a Jet. And the, and the Packers' intention is to trade him to the Jets. And the Jets' intention is to acquire Rodgers. That has nothing to do with reality and what's actually going to happen and what the decisions may become. The Packers' intention is to send him to the Jets. It doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen. Rodgers' intention is to play with the Jets. It doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen. That certainly doesn't mean he can't change his mind. Now, he might throw a fit about it or whatever, but again, the Packers do own the contract. They can send him wherever they want in an entirely conditional um, trade. And again, that, that would be fine with the Packers because we don't own the contract. So either he can go there and play and we get the picks, or he can say, screw you, I'm retiring, and then we're still out of the contract. But we will not be holding this bag when, the, when, the, when it's all said and done. Now, would a team take him conditionally if Rodgers says, I will not play for you? I don't know. Maybe if the price is low enough, what does it hurt? But again, you got to understand, Rodgers would only say that so that he would have to stay with the Packers, which is not necessarily a desirable situation, especially considering his real desire is to stick it to the Packers. It's not to play for the Jets. He couldn't give two craps about the Jets. His desire is to go play for a team and win football games to show that he's better than what the Packers were giving him and all this other stuff. Find a team with a wide receiver and he's fine. The start of the season. 
Green Bay keeps Rodgers and has to pay the $60 million. The first NFL team that loses its starting quarterback trades for Rodgers and pays Green Bay draft picks and part or all of the $60 million bonus to get him. Rodgers is very unhappy sitting on the bench and gladly takes the de- trade or retires. I don't, the, I don't know if they can do that, if they can pay some of the $60 million. I, I, I Maybe I'm wrong. I feel like once we pay that money, it's on the books, and we're stuck with it. Um, so I, I kind of feel like once week one hits, we, we're basically screwed if we haven't offloaded them, but I could be wrong about that. Anyway, if we go all the way to 2024 and Rogers stays with the team to then, we repeat steps one through five if Roger refuses to retire. And all the steps, Green Bay is... One more for Trucker Bob here. Got cut off right at the very <laughs> end there. So, Mr. Cheeseballin, whoever you are, this is called leverage. At every step of the way, Green Bay always has the leverage because they always have the asset. And the asset is Rogers' contract. And I think this is why Gutekunst is playing as strong as he is. Because ultimately, you're right. They have the leverage, and, and he doesn't want to be convinced otherwise. And that's what everybody's trying to do, is to convince him, you don't have the leverage, you have to move him, if you don't, you're in trouble, all this stuff, to try to get Gutekunst to soften and, and to do what the people that don't even have the asset want. But at, at the end of the day, you're right. Listen, this is my opportunity to make some money. This is mine, Right? And I'm going to get full value for it. Well, that's stupid and this and that, and you're not going to do that. Listen, you can talk about your leverage all you want, but the only the only way you have leverage is if you can use that leverage to pry this out of my hands, and you're unsuccessful in that up to this point. Right? I own the contract. If you want him, you do what I say. No, no, no. You're you. You know what I mean? Like so. So there's there's the guy that actually has the asset. And then there's people trying to convince him that it's in their best interest. It's it's kind of like the whole sell me this pen thing, right? It's you you got really good salesmen trying to to talk him out of getting full value for Rogers and using their quote unquote leverage by by and really they don't have any leverage. The only thing they have is to throw in the Packers' face the situation that they're in in hopes that they blink. And all Gutekunst really has to do is not flinch. Just don't flinch. Because you're right, he does own all of the leverage because he owns the contract. And if the Jets want it, they're going to do what he says. So that's kind of the way that it is. Now, again, we can we can go into panic mode and say, yeah, but then we're not going to get the picks for this year. Yeah, but then we're we're going to be stuck with this contract and we're going to da 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 Okay, well, that's assuming there is no plan B. That's assuming that the Jets are willing to take it to that extent. But... Gutekunst's job at this point essentially is to just not flinch and say, I'm not scared and I'm not worried about you and I'm not I'm not scared about anything. And I'm not going to allow you to try to scare me out of getting what I am going to get for this asset. Green Bay owns that and they can trade that to any team they want for any um, compensation that they want. That's assuming we have willing partners, though. That That is where it gets complicated and i know you know that but you know we we look at the 32 teams minus the packers and the jets because we're assuming they're out minus all the teams with quarterbacks and then how many people are willing to take on the risk of a quarterback that's you know folding his arms and pouting and saying "Hmm, i'm not doing it there there might just be no team that's like i just i just don't want to go that route right so I, I don't know, but but ultimately you're you're right, and that is an interesting perspective in 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 terms of could we potentially trade him for whatever compensation and just say it's all conditional. And if he doesn't play, then then we'll just give you the picks back, no big deal. But either way, he's either going to play and we get picks or he's going to retire either way we win. We just need a team to bite on that deal and we're fine. And if teams aren't willing to pay it, it's like great Rogers stays with the team and their original plan of how they were going to handle that $60 million yeah. bonus in September will go into effect. Well, and that's the other thing. I mean, that as much as it feels like a disaster, the Packers gave him this contract with a full understanding that it's entirely possible that he doesn't get moved. And really, what if he had won MVP in 2022? Do you do you think we'd be sitting here trying to trade him? I don't think so. 
So as much as we see this as a catastrophic bomb waiting to happen, I'm assuming this is a team that kind of had this planned out to begin with. I don't know what that plan looks like, but I'm not going to panic until I see it blow up in my face. So we'll see how this all unravels, but you're right. The the, the leverage is is the team that has the asset in their hand, right? There's nothing you can do to pry it from me other than giving me what I want. And you can sit here and try to convince me that I need to give you that, right? The whole, again, sell me this pen thing. Um, but that's that's it. I mean, it's, 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 it is in Brian Gutekunst's hands. Just because we don't understand or know what that plan is doesn't mean there isn't a plan. Right. The other point I'd like to make is Goody already has in his back pocket other trade proposals and plans if the Jets screw this all up. He said it's in their court. If they don't play Green Bay's game, they're the ones that end up with a less than a 500 season next year because they won't have a quarterback. Green Bay has the leverage throughout this whole thing. Anyways, Ryan, that was my point. Trucker Bob out, getting back in my truck, heading through Alabama, and Louis, Mississippi and Louisiana are next. Thank you. All right, well, I hate to only have two callers, but we're well over an hour, so I think we're just going to leave it at that. I appreciate uh, Cheese Ballin' and Trucker Bob for uh, calling in and for the conversation. Trucker Bob, I appreciate that perspective. I hadn't really thought about that before. Again, I don't know if any teams would be willing to do that. It really just depends how much Rodgers would want to protest. But again, are, is, is he really going to be hell-bent on, no, I want to be a Packer if this falls through? That just seems like a really unlikely situation. So... It would be up to Gutekunst essentially to sell Rodgers if the Jets thing falls through, which I don't think it's going to. But if it fell through, to, to go to Rodgers and say, look, um, this isn't working. we got to figure something else out. Or go to his people, because Rodgers won't answer his phone anymore when it's Gutekunst. Talk to his agent and say, look, this isn't working. So if he wants to play, he doesn't want to play here. You know, We obviously would like to move on with Jordan Love, or we, we are moving on with Jordan Love. And we know he doesn't want to be a backup. So, I mean, if, if he'd rather retire, then we will respect that. That's totally fine. If he'd like to go to another team, we totally respect that as well, and we will make that happen. But the Jets are just not really willing to make a deal right now because apparently they didn't realize that this quarterback may, in fact, retire, despite the fact that he's 50 years old and has been threatening retirement for like a decade. Hyperbole. But again, I think a deal gets done. Before the draft, I don't know. We will see. I think they're going to play hardball right up to the draft. Um, we'll see if Gutekunst cracks. He may. If if he is, in fact, desperate for, for picks this year, he may, in fact, crack. You know, if it's like, I want a second and a, and a first with no give back or something or not a conditional. Uh, some people are saying that was sort of the thing. The Packers want a unconditional first-round pick. In, in other words, no matter what, and they're not willing to do that. Maybe he'll be like, look, I'll get, give me the second this year and a second next year, and then we'll give you a conditional or whatever in 2024 or five. I don't know. Which would be a fairly low value, depending on how high that conditional goes, and if if Rodgers ends up playing another year. But we'll we'll see how it pans out. I'm I'm, it's it seems like it's something that's more fun to fight about than it is actually useful to talk about. Because I don't think anybody actually thinks that this is going to go any way other than the Jets, and I really don't think anybody actually believes that Rodgers is going to be a Packer this year. In other words, like if you had to bet money, is that how this is going to end up? I would be shocked if more than like five percent of people actually thought that. Actually, I'll, I'll do a Twitter poll. I think that'd be interesting. There's four options. Might as well put all four up there. So go over there, check it out, whatever. Anyways, uh, I'm going to get out of here. You guys have yourselves a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.